this morning. Uh, I've been dealing with the Word. Those of you who are relatively new to me, when I came here, and, and Vanetta's shaking her head, yes, I put some principles together as to how to read your Bible. How many remember that? Okay, great, okay. Because I think they're important, so let me share them with you as we get started. When you read your Bible, you read it slowly. Is that correct? Okay, you read it slowly because this is not a speed reading course. Anybody take a speed reading course beside me? Good, because if you had, you wasted your money. (laughs) Thank God I was working for General Electric and they paid for it. I'm serious. Okay, so you don't speed read the Bible. You don't, you don't do this, like speed reading. Okay, you can't get anywhere. Secondly, you take, what? You take, no, pictures. You take pictures, spiritual pictures. What am I reading? What's it saying to you? Well, like I wanted you to take the picture of the communion this morning, okay? So you take pictures. You ask questions. So read it slowly, take pictures, ask questions, and you read between Why? Because there's drama going on in the scripture. That was the fourth. The fifth one was one I threw in later. And that was you take your little flower pot spade. Remember that little trowel? And what do you do with a little trowel in a flower pot? You dig deeper. Because every time you read the scripture, if you take that little trowel with you, and you go, oh, I didn't see that before. That's right, because you didn't lift a little bit of the dirt. And the last thing you look for is attitude. Not only the attitude of the people that you're reading about, but God's attitude. And we're going to see that this morning. So turn with me to Jeremiah, chapter 29. Jeremiah, chapter 29. This message is entitled, The Plan. It's an interesting passage of Scripture. Okay, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, and I'm inserting a word here because you'll see it. Plans for your welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Okay? Next. Is it coming? Okay, okay. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling, not you. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Notice the word then. Then is a timeline word. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Then you will seek me and find me. When, which is another timeline word, when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you. Oh, that's, I have driven you? Get your spade out, get your trowel out, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. God said, I have a plan for you. Whose plan is it? If God has a plan for you, for me, for them, the Israelites, there must be a reason for the plan. 
Why did God have a plan? Anybody know? Shout it out. Why did God have a plan for them? Why did God need a plan for them? Nobody wants to answer me. God's plan for them was a result of punishment on God's part to the children of Israel. And God had good reasons for punishing them. We don't like to talk about that. We don't want preachers to tell us that God has reasons to punish. But the reason God was punishing was simple. They stopped serving God. I'm going to serve God my way. Well, you, no one's ever said that, right? No, don't raise your hand. No one's ever told God, hey, I don't like what you're telling me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Nobody in this room would ever have said that. But that's what Israel was doing. They were saying to God, you know, I don't like this. I don't want to come to church at 1030. I'd rather come to church at 10. Well, God said, no, the church is... And they went on and on in their structure and in their relationship with God, and they refused to abide by the rules that God was laying down for their lives. Are your rules better than His? Do you know more than He knows? Are you able to supply better than He's able to supply? Obviously. But we get twisted in our lifestyles, and Israel was great for getting twisted in their lifestyles, And they began to do certain things, so God put them into a funnel of punishment, okay? Some people think, you know, that's not nice, God. May I remind you, seriously, that God has rights? Acts chapter 5, I'll just give you the summary of it. It's a story of Ananias and Sapphira. Do you remember Ananias and Sapphira from your Bible studies? Maybe not all of you. You might want to look at it. Chapter 5, book of Acts. Ananias and Sapphira, husband and wife. And the church was brand new and they were starting up and people who had something said, you know, uh, I've got that extra car, I'm going to sell it, I'll bring the money to the church. And pastor said, Gee, that's wonderful because we need the money. We want to feed people. We want to do this. Ananias and Sapphira were one of those who had a parcel of ground. And they, along with other people in the church, decided, we'll sell this acre of land and we'll get about $50,000 for it. Uh, And that was quite a bit of money back in Jesus' day. Uh, And and, uh, we'll give the money to the church. And Ananias and Sapphira said to each other, Honey, he said, do we have to give the whole $50,000 to the church? And Sapphira said, I don't think so. But we should tell them we did. Because we want to look like the other people. I mean, Gary just sold his beautiful Lexus for $65,000, and he brought the whole sixty-five in. I want to look as good as Gary, which would be very hard for me. And so what they did was they sold their land for 50000 they brought 25000 to the pastor, who was Peter. And they said, here's our gift to the church. <laughs> Don't do this if Peter's pastoring your church. Please. Because Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter knows what's going on. God speaks to him. And Peter looked at him and he said to him in chapter 5, Why has Satan tempted you to lie to the Holy Spirit? Don't ever go there. 
He said it was your property. You could do what you want with it. It was your money. You could do it. He said, but you lied to the Holy Spirit. And he said, you're dead. And he dropped over dead. And the guys came and pulled, hauled him out. Three hours later, Sapphira comes in looking for her hubby. <laughs> Sorry, babe. And Peter said to her, uh, he said, honey, he called her honey. <clears throat> uh, your hubby was here. You sold the property, and uh, you got 25000 Oh, yeah, that's what we got. He said, I'm sorry, but the guys are coming in to haul your hubby out because you're dropping dead, too, and she dropped dead. God has, why did he do that? So there's a question here. Why did God strike them dead? Let me tell you why. The church was brand new, and they were bringing in evil seed into a brand new church, and God said, I will not have it. God said to the Israelites, you weren't paying attention to me, and because you weren't paying attention to me, I had to send you into captivity for 70 years. You want to read about it? Go to Daniel chapter 1, because that's what's being referred to. They're sending him to Babylon in Daniel chapter 1, the whole chapter. I think there's 16 verses. It would be good for you to read it. It's about Daniel and two Hebrew boys and an Italian boy. Everybody knew that, didn't you? Shadrach, Meshach, and Oregano. I heard... I heard a preacher say that on TV, and I said, I've got to at least say that once. That's enough. That's enough. Okay. But if you read chapter 1, those four Hebrew boys were head and shoulders above everybody that they brought out of captivity, and it was those four Hebrew boys that began to run the country for the king. So when God decides to give you a little discipline... It's not always going to hurt the way you think it's going to hurt, but God is fixing to change things in your life so that you'll be prepared for other things that you need to get involved with. God never slaps you up the side of the head just because he's angry with you. Never. He slaps you up the side of the head because he loves you. And he wants you to understand he has prepared something for you. Go to chapter Go to the same chapter, Uh, God's direction, verse 5, 6, and 7. I'm going to read verse 5 first. I'm sorry, did I say something? Okay. He sent them into captivity. But notice what he does when he sends them in. Notice what he does. Come on in, girls. These are friends of ours from Las Vegas. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Susan, welcome, Tammy, and welcome, puppy. In, in chapter 5, here are the directions that God is giving about his plan. He says, build houses. Live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. This doesn't sound right, does it? They're in captivity. Take wives and have sons and daughters Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Hold it right there. Don't stop. Does this sound like captivity to you? They took them out of Jerusalem, sent them to Babylon, 70 years, and now God is giving them instruction as to what they're supposed to do while they're in jail. They're not in jail He doesn't want them to act like they're in jail. He's giving them specific instructions. And he's saying, do something constructive with your life, no matter where you are. Somebody say amen. 
Get on board with what my plan is for you, not with what you thought your plan was supposed to be. Do something constructive. Don't let your past mistakes define you. And forgive. Oh my. Where did I finish off? Verse 7. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. I don't want to seek their welfare. I'm captive here. Why should I seek the welfare of the person who is against me? Oh, anybody ever hear the word forgiveness and why it's important? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Really? Really? And God talks to them. Seek the welfare of the city. Guess where you're living, where I have sent you in exile. I sent you there. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, the city. Why am I praying for people who took me captive? Why am I even concerned about who they are? Because God is trying to drill into my life and into your life. He has a plan for us, and His plan requires us learning some things about life they had never learned. He was punishing them, but while he was punishing them, he was teaching them. <clears throat> it's one thing, one thing to turn your little boy or little girl over your lap and give them a spanking on the behind and then push them away or sit them down and say, now let me tell you why I spanked you. Big difference. Do something constructive. Do something with your lives, okay? For thus saith the Lord of hosts, do not let your... Pro- oh, that's the next question. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find welfare. If you pray for what you think was a bad thing coming your way, if you'll take it into its total concept of what God is trying to say to you and how he's trying to redefine your life, you will pray for that person because that person or that situation is helping to make the change in you that God wants to make a change and you wouldn't let him make it by himself. You said, no, I'm going to do it my way. God said, no, you're not. You're going to do it my way. Do not let your past mistakes define you. Everybody that's perfect, would you raise your hand, please? Gary, put your hand down. Nobody's perfect in this room? God recognizes who we are and loves us, Gary, just like we are. Thank God he loves us like we are. And thank God he has a plan for our lives. And thank God his plan is better than any plan you or I could devise for our lives because he knows what I need. He knows. He knew that I needed this. He knew this. I'm telling you right now. I would have never put this together. God had to speak to my son. Thank God he did. In verses 8, 9, and 10, because they're in, they're in captivity. Remember this now. And they're not alone in captivity because they got some prophets there. But they're not good ones. And listen to what the prophets are saying. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. 
For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. I need to have more I wills. I need to hear God say, I will. God, I I will. Well, you know what? I will. But before God will say, I will, he sometimes has to hit me in the back end. And then I recognize, I'll hear an I will. That's what's going on in Israel. That's God's plan. Okay? Build, live, plant, eat, take of the produce. Okay? Produce families. He brought Israel out of Jerusalem, and he says, okay, you guys, you're going to be here 70 years. So while you're here, I want you to marry you guys. Pick out a nice lady, marry her. And most of you guys, if not all of you, really married up in this room, now that I'm looking. I did. August 28 was our 68th wedding anniversary. And I was not in captivity. Time goes by. He says, Mary. In other words, what he is doing is saying this. While I have you under my control, I want you to grow. I want you to act normal. I want you to love your wife. I want you to love your husband. I want you to bring those kids into the world. I want you to teach those kids what it is about going to Sunday school. Why we do this. Why we take communion. Why we sing. I want you to begin to expand who you should have been now, now you're going to have to because I've got you where I want you. That's what New Hope needs to understand. There's a reason for us being here in this valley. There's a reason God has opened the door of this church to anybody that wants to come in because God sees what's going on around here and He knows He needs somebody who will build and live, and plant, and eat, and take, produce families who will multiply. He doesn't want them to decrease. He wants them to increase. There are some things that this old man remembers that he says. You may remember this, those of you who were around when I was here. But you and I had a great relationship, and we're starting another one. But I looked at this place, and it was full And I looked you in the eye. I'll never forget it. And I said, this church has the ability under God's anointing to be a church of 500 people. Anybody remember that? Do you think I was joking? Now, I'm not suggesting that God had to spank you. No, no. I'm suggesting we need to understand God's plan. What is his plan? Not just for my life personally, not just for you. What is God's plan for this wonderful church of people who have learned how to love one another, get along with one another, put up with one another? Oh, really? Well, yeah, I, yeah, you've got to put up with me and I've got to put up with you. Yeah, yeah. God has a plan for this church. And it's not to decrease, but it's to increase. And it requires going forward not backward. You can't live in the past. One of the things that when I first came here almost three years ago was I didn't know anything about the past of the church nor the, the, the past pastor. Didn't, and I didn't want to know. None of my business. Okay. 
We're starting fresh. You had some very fine speakers, I understand, that came for a year and a half or so to come every Sunday. I'm, I'm happy about that. But you don't build a church on guest speakers. You know that. Great men. I, I've met just one of them, but I've heard good things about all three of them. So I, I'm cool with that. But God has a plan. He stuck me into the plan, folks. You're stuck with me. <laughs> if you don't like me, just tell the executive president I'll leave. <clears throat> leave the past in the past. Why? Because God has a plan. Verse 11 is where we started. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. God's plan for new hope. God's plan for me. I'm on a new road. And many of you have had to take the same road I'm on right now. But this church, God has plans. And the plan is for our welfare. The plan is for us to grow. And we're not talking just about money or just about people, but growing an influence in the community so that when someone walks into your business, Gary, and doesn't know what's going on, he walks in and goes, where am I? What, why do I feel what I feel in this place? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit when they walk into your door. And they feel that, and they don't know why it's there, but they're there and they're, they're attracted to it. It has nothing to do with money <coughs> or with the, non- I mean, with the goods he sells has to do with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and His plan for you. His plan for you. His plan for you. His plan for this church. For your welfare. For your future. I didn't know what I was going to do after October 20. I had no clue. And I think you understand that. But God did. He knew. For my welfare, for my future, for hope, God knows how to bless. God knows how to reward. Well, I have a question. What happens if we accept God's plan? We know what happened when they didn't accept his original plan. They got sent into captivity. Seventy years. But what happens when we accept God's plan? I call it God's open door policy. Verse 12. Then, then, the timeline word, then, you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Oh, part of God's plan is for us, Nick, is to call on him. How many times have we called on God and maybe felt we never got an answer? How many times have we called on God and God was there like that? And you know it. And you felt the presence of God and the reason behind his coming close to you and blessing you. Call, he said, call. Maybe you've never called on God. Maybe you never thought it necessary. Maybe you're the independent type. I understand that. Trust me. 
I understand that within gospel circles. But I'm not independent enough. I am dependent on him. Because having been dependent on him, I found forgiveness of my sin. Had I not found out I needed to depend on him, I would not be saved. Call on God. Come to God. Pray to God. Verse 12 says, he'll listen. You call and come and pray and I will listen to you. Folk, we need more of the feeling in our spirit that we're not just talking words into thin air, that we're saying, God, I need you and here are the reasons why. And he's listening. That's what he wants with you. That's what he wants from me. But he wants me to tell him that I need him. And I sit in my apartment. I'm very comfortable, thank God. And I sit there by myself and I say, God, I need you. Here's the reasons I need you. And I begin to talk to God. And I tell him what's on my heart. Okay? He said, just call on me. I don't know what you need. Personally, I don't know. It's none of my business. But I think I know what the church needs. The church needs an overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit hitting it, like on the day of Pentecost or even greater. And not so we can run around speaking in tongues. Okay, and don't, don't, get, don't get me confused. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, okay? But if you remember the book of Acts, Jesus said, you shall receive power, chapter 1, after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall run around the church speaking in tongues like, like crazy people. Is that what it doesn't say that? It says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and out to the uttermost parts of the earth. What is he saying? The baptism of the Holy Spirit <coughs> was not given so that we could run around and speak in tongues and ask, ask for somebody to interpret. I know the nine gifts of the Spirit are there. I believe in every one of them. The baptism was given to empower you and to empower me to get into this valley and let people know that Jesus Christ is available for them. And if they want him and they want their sins forgiven, we're the people they can talk to. That's what the baptism was given to her. We'll talk about that in some other message about speak. I believe in speaking in tongues. I do it myself at home. Sometimes I'm driving my car and I'm just worshiping God. When the Holy Spirit says do it, I do it. Seek God. In Matthew chapter 7, you know the scripture. It's a scripture where we ask, we seek, we knock. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock, it shall be open unto you. For he who asketh receiveth, he who seeketh findeth. He who knocketh to him, it shall be open. Those words, ask, seek, and knock in the Greek, you know what they are? They mean keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, which means don't stop. So you asked for something and you didn't get it. Okay, let's readjust. Are we asking for the right thing? Or are we just quitting before time? Don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking God. Don't stop knocking on his door. Come boldly to the throne of grace and make your petitions known. Throne of grace. I, I bang on his door. Are you listening? And he is. The church needs to get to the point where as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we keep asking, we keep seeking, 
we keep knocking. Not just for our benefit. Yeah, we need things. Absolutely. You need things. I need. But we're asking for the glory of God to fill this place so that people will drive by and have to turn in and stop and don't know why. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Amen. He said, I'll let you find me. Seek me. (laughs) Verse 13. You will seek me and you will find me. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what your friend needs out there? Isn't that what some of your co-workers need? Isn't that what some of your relatives need? They need not only to seek him, because you keep telling them that they should, but they need to find him. It's one thing to go out on a treasure hunt and come back finding something and come back empty-handed. They tell me that, I think I asked this before when I was here, before, there are some 13,000 people in this valley. Am I correct? These three towns, Glendale, Logan, Logandale, and, and Overton, somewhere around that, somewhere, whatever. I don't know how many churches are in this community, and I don't know how many churches in this community are preaching the word. I don't know that. Basically, it's really none of my business, but what is my business is if I am preaching the word or not. And if I am preaching the word, what are you doing with the word? How are you letting the word of God affect you in your daily life so that these folks in the community who know Jesus come and say, can I talk to you, Rick? Rick, I got a problem, but I don't know what to do. But somehow I feel I need to talk to you. Oh, yeah. God had a plan for Israel. His plan was to restore them. His plan was to make them bigger than they were ever thought they could be. So we seek him out. We ask, we seek, we knock, and we find God because God lets us find him. He is saying to New Hope, and he's saying to me, because I'm part of New Hope, you're stuck with me. He's saying, I'm going to let you find me. To the degree that when you walk out these doors and go down to a restaurant and grab a sandwich or whatever, people are going to look at you and say, why? And they may know you even and say, gee, hon, what's your first name? Heather. Gee, Heather, and I know you from whatever, right? You look different today. Are you okay? Yeah. You just look so vibrant today. Why? I need to see that. Because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in her. The Holy Spirit's causing this appearance that your friends in this community need to see on a day-by-day basis so that they know that Christ is alive in somebody's life and they know he's alive in this church. Somebody say amen. (coughs) I need to quit. Excuse me. We can call on God. He'll let us. We can come to God. We can pray to God. Verse 13 says we can seek him and find him. And he says, I will restore. Thank you, brother. I will restore some things. Well, I think that's a great idea. What needs to be restored? He kicked them out of Jerusalem, God did, because they were, they were trying to tell him how he should be worshipped. You can't do that. But God said, I'm going to restore some things. Now, we, we like the word fortune and all that, okay? Seek me, find me, when you search me with all your heart, and then 
I will be found by you, verse 14, declares the Lord. And I will, if I am found, if I find him, I'm going to find the source of everything I need. The source of what you need is not inside this building. The source of what you need is God. And God will then fill the building because he becomes the source of everything we need. And I'll restore your fortunes. Oh, I like that word. How much money are you going to give me, God? Is that what your fortune is? Is that what you think your fortune is? Or is that what you think your fortune should be? Someday I'll tell you a true story. I don't have time today. But if the Lord will allow me, I'll tell you a true story of what happened to me when I heard the voice of God audibly, audibly, a demanding voice. I don't have the time to tell you, but I heard it. And it changed my temperament instantly. Without batting an eyelash, I changed instantly. God said eight words, eight words to me, demanding to me. I was going through something, and he said, leave it alone, I'll take care of it. And wham! Everything changed in an instant. And from that day till this, I have never, ever suffered loss. I'm going to restore your fortunes. Your fortune is more than your money. Your fortunes is your friendship base. Who you love, who loves you. Who can you go to when you really need someone, Jace? And you need really someone to pray for you. And you've got to be careful who you go to because you've got to be careful what you say to certain people. And all of a sudden, you know you can trust somebody. And you can go to, that's part of your fortune. Not how many dollars you have at the bank. Thank God for that. I'm going to restore your fortune. People are going to knock on your door and they're going to look at you and say, God told me I have to come and speak to you, Trina, but I don't know why, but I'm hurting. And God is going to open that problem right up to you so that you know what you're doing and you're going to be able to help it. That's part of your fortune. Let's get our minds where they belong, okay? I'm going to restore your fortune. I'm going to restore your family. I'm going to restore your position with me. That's my fortune. I don't have another fortune. My restoration, my relationship with God is my fortune. And everything I have ever needed since that day he spoke to me, he has given to me. Without question. I'm going to restore your fortune. I'm going to restore your family. I'm going to gather you from all the parts of the earth. I'm going to bring you back. We're going to have a party. (laughs) Party time. (laughs) And one of these days, one of these days, the party is going to get so great and the revival is going to be so great in 23 and 24, and I'm convinced of it. God's going to move by His Holy Spirit, and this building is going to be filled. You're going to be going crazy. We're not going to have enough coffee to give these people, but that's fine. We'll get coffee somewhere. God's going to fill this place because He wants us to have His fortune. He wants us to enjoy this party. He wants us to come back home. And one day, while we may be having service, I don't know, <clears throat> The trumpet's going to sound, and we won't worry about whether we have enough coffee or not. We're going to be gone in the twinkling of an eye, and we're all going to be cut up together. Say amen. Amen. We're going to see him because it's party time. Because he has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And folks, that's all I want. 
I don't know how to say that. That's all I want. And my question to you, to us, because it's an us thing now. It's not a you thing and me thing. It's an us thing. Okay. Do we want God's plan? I'd love to be able to say, oh, I know exactly what it is. I don't know. But he'll teach us if we let him. If we hold each other close. If we love on each other. If we forgive each other. If we take care of each other. If we stand up for each other. Don't you touch my brother, Jason. He may be six foot four, but I'm five foot four, and I'll take care of you if you don't. Don't mess with him. (laughs) You don't think this five foot four. Oh, never mind. But we're going to love each other. We're going to stick with each other. We're going to stand with each other. We're going to protect each other. We're going to hug each other. And the world out here is going to see a brand new group of people who are allowing the presence of God to lead them, to direct them. Do you want his way or you want your way? I don't want your way. I don't want my way. I want God's way. I want God's plan. He mentions in verses 8, 9, and 10 about bad prophets because they're all over. Verses 8, 9, and 10. Here, let me read them to you, okay? For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets see. Some prophets were sent down to Babylon with them, but they weren't good ones. All right? So get that in your mind, okay? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, <coughs> do, not, <coughs> do not let <coughs> your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. Why? For it is a lie that they, may, that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise to bring you back to this place. I need to know I can trust God to fulfill his will. <clears throat> I need to know he's trustworthy. <clears throat> I need to know that he's going to help uh, Nick and AJ take care of little Becca. I need to know that. She doesn't belong to me, but she does. I need to know he's going to come into your families and deal with whatever issues because we're family. Because he says, I am your God. Don't listen to those false prophets. They're out there all, all over. Are we interested in his plan? His plan always is to reach out for people who don't know him. It's called evangelism. And no, I'm not asking you to make signs and stand on the street corner in front of your restaurants and saying, you're all going to hell if you don't do what I tell you to do. No, no, come on, folks. That's not who we are. That's not who God is. He is the God of this word. And when we get into the Gospel of John, I'll share some things with you. And you may know it, you may not. But he is the God of this word. Are we ready? Are we willing for growth? Are we willing for revival? Are you willing to put aside stuff that you thought was really important to you and feelings that you thought, were, well, you know, are you willing to put that stuff aside and say, God, here I am. Here I am. Are you willing to hug one another and say, I love you? Put everything. That's God's plan. Are you willing for the Holy Spirit to pour out himself in your life? Yeah, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many in this room are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I obviously believe in that. This is an Assembly of God church. I don't push it on anybody. 
I encourage you to look to God. I encourage you to ask him. I encourage you to let the Holy Spirit flow through you. It will strengthen you like you can't believe. For I have plans for you, God said. I have plans for you. I drew up those plans, God said. Those plans are for your welfare. Those plans are for your benefit. Those plans are so that you'll remember me every time you take communion. And it won't be just because I said some words in in the Gospel of Luke. You'll remember what I have done for you every time you touch that communion plate. I have plans for you. I wish I had a list that I could give you. No, I I, I take that back. I'm glad I don't have a list. Because it would be my list. We're all different. But God's not different. He loves you. He loves me. He loves your children. He loves your family. He loves your neighbors. Your neighbors need Jesus. Don't go smashing their window and say, I'm here to tell you that you need Jesus. But he has plans for us. And if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to touch your heart and your life, it will change you like you can't believe. Bow your heads with me, would you? Father, how good you are to us. It's your word, it's not my word. It's your word anointed by the Holy Spirit. I don't have an anointing to give to your word. It's you who anoints Holy Spirit. And I pray that this word has reached our hearts, all of us, including mine, that we know we have something special with you. Help us, Lord, to desire your plan to walk with you. I felt as I was praying before this this couple of days ago, I felt God saying to me, you need to pray for a couple of people in the church. And I said, what for, God? And I felt him saying to me, because they've made plans, and they're not sure about them. I'm not here to embarrass anybody. Trust me. That's not my thing. You know that. But this is the new year, and we do make plans. And some of you have, been, have made some rather serious, needy, but serious plans. And you're still not quite sure. And you want the Holy Spirit to give you absolute direction on those plans. I want you to raise your hand right now. Just keep your heads bowed. Yes, I see your hand. 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 You can take them down. Four hands. Right. Anyone else? You made plans. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. That's five of us. God wants to reassure you that if you trust him with your plans he will take care of you yes I see your hand father we can't hide anything from you so we don't try but I felt you laid it on my heart two days ago so for these people who raised their hand I'm asking you Holy Spirit to step into their lives in a very personal way, very personal way, so that they know it's you. It's not Rudy Greco, it's not anybody else, it's you, Holy Spirit. Giving them new direction if it's needed, or adjustments if needed, or whatever is needed, so that when you're through in these next couple of days, they will sit down and they'll realize they now have your plan, not theirs, your plan, and they can move forward.
Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to present yourself to them as they've never sensed you before, that they may glorify you for what you do in their lives. Now, while your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'd love to pray with you. I don't embarrass people. I just need to know you're here. You don't know Jesus? I want to pray with you if you'll let me. If so, just raise your hand quickly and take it down. I'll see it. And we'll move on and we'll conclude. Anyone here? You all know the Lord? That's wonderful. I'm not surprised. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Father, here we are. We're your, we're, we're your congregation. We're your kids. And you didn't send us into exile, but you brought us here to mor- this morning to understand something. That you have a future for us. That future is for our promotion so that we may be the evangelistic team in this valley. Holy Spirit, produce in us what we need to be your servants in this community. Bless these families. Strengthen them. Those who are not with us this morning who may be ill, we ask your blessing and healing for them. Most of all, Holy Spirit, that you keep your hand of providence, your hand of strength, your hand of safety upon us all. For we ask it together in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. You're dismissed. Make sure you tell somebody you love them.